Hello, this is Emmanuel Ogbomnaya. As a teenager, I started an interesting culture. Whenever it was getting towards Christmas each year, I would study again all the accounts in the scriptures on the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, I would do this every single year, despite how many times my studies in the Word of God in the course of that year brought me to those passages. When I started this study, I didn't start it that particular year because I didn't know anything about the Christmas story. Rather, I started it in order to prevent myself from getting into familiarity with Jesus. I didn't want to ever find myself at the point where I felt there was nothing more to learn about the birth of Jesus. That study I started as a teenager that year continued the next year. Before I knew it, it caught on as a practice that I have continued multiple times every single year ever since that first year I started it. Even this year, my experience is that whenever I do this, there's a freshness that comes. The Spirit of the Lord opens my eyes to see new truths. He opens my ears also to hear new things from the Christmas story. In this series, I'll be sharing some of the precious truths that the Holy Spirit has taught me from the birth of Jesus all through these years. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we should never arrive at the point where we get too familiar with Jesus. Our posture should always be that of a child who is always yearning to learn. As we begin the study, I want to start from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, from verse 16 to 17. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die? before your time. Yes, it is true that God stands for righteousness. But just like we see here, when things begin to go out of balance, God warns us against extremes. Some people get to the extreme even in matters of righteousness. And here in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 16 to 17, God warns us against that. You find many Christians who say that Christmas has a pagan origin. They say we should have nothing to do with Christmas. We should not mark the day, we should not acknowledge it, because it has pagan roots. As a matter of fact, they even go further to explain that December 25th was not the day that Jesus was actually born. You know, to all of these things, my response is this. Who cares whether December 25th is the day Jesus was born or not? As a matter of fact, we know that that's not the exact day that Jesus was born. You know, there is something you are missing if you are one of those who holds that view. The Bible tells us about the spirit and the letter. Another way to look at that is to say that there is a way things look and there is what is intended. You know, we should never get to the point where we focus so much on what is apparent than what is intended. If we would learn to reach conclusions based on intention and motive rather than on appearance, we'll be more like God is. Why? Because even God himself focuses on the heart and not on the outward appearance. These people who say all of these things against Christmas and how that as believers we should have nothing to do with Christmas, they forget that it's about the fact that Jesus came into this world. They forget that we celebrate Christmas because we are honoring the Lord Jesus and because we want the world to focus on the one that God sent into the world as the Savior of the world. Brothers and sisters, Christmas is not about Christmas. Christmas is about Jesus Christ. Don't lose your excitement about Jesus. And you know, sometimes when I think about all of these things that they say here and there about Christmas, I wonder to myself, why don't they have an issue with other things that have pagan roots? 
For example, do you know that Sunday was named after the sun god? Do you know that Monday was named after the moon goddess? Do you know that Tuesday was named after the Germanic god of war, whose name was Tew, and the day Tuesday was said to be the day of that god? Do you know that Wednesday was named after the Roman god Mercury? Do you know that Thursday was named after the Norse god Thor? Do you know that Friday was named after Venus, the Roman goddess of love and beauty? Do you know that Saturday was named after Saturn, the name of the Roman god of agriculture? The people who gave the names of the days of the week were not Christians. They didn't give the days of the week names that they found in scriptures. <laughs> These people were people who served idols. As a matter of fact, they named the days of the week according to the names of the planets they knew at that time. And for each of these things, they saw them as personalities that they worshipped as gods. These guys were idolaters. They were idol worshippers. My point is that every day of the week as we know them today had its name originate from a pagan basis. And none of these people who kick against Christmas have attempted to kick against the names of the days of the week because they have a pagan origin. I've not heard any one of them say, no, I'm not going to use Monday. I'm not going to call Tuesday, Tuesday. No, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to call Wednesday, Wednesday. It was named by pagans. It has pagan origins. I don't like the name, so I'm not going to use that name. None of them says things like that. You know, in Matthew chapter 15, the Bible tells us that the Pharisees came to Jesus and they began to tell Jesus, why are your disciples doing this and doing that? And then in return, Jesus said to them, why are you breaking the rules of God? Why are you dishonoring God? <laughs> and then Jesus called them hypocrites. <laughs> Who is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a pretender. A hypocrite is someone who keeps double standards. A hypocrite is somebody who is failing in many things, but they only fix their gaze on exposing and correcting others and trying to get those other people to stop doing what they think is wrong. This is hypocrisy. This is exactly what hypocrisy is. You know, Solomon says in our opening scripture that the one who is over-righteous can destroy himself. So here's my submission on this matter celebrate jesus every day and since the world accepts christmas day as the day to acknowledge the birth of jesus mark that day as well you know in first corinthians chapter 9 and verse 22 paul spoke about how that he became all things to all men so that he could win some why don't you see christmas as a strategy for soul winning why don't you see christmas as an opportunity to talk to others about jesus why don't you see christmas as an opportunity to let others know the plan of god why don't you see Christmas as an opportunity to let other people know about how much God yearns for them and wants to bless them with his love? In Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, I'm reading out of the translation called God's Word. It says, This is the list of the ancestors of Jesus Christ, descendants of David and Abraham. The first thing we see in Matthew chapter 1 about the birth of Christ is that he is linked to a family tree. And this family tree goes all the way back to Abraham. From Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 to 17, we see a detailed narration of the link of Jesus through Joseph, the husband of Mary, all the way back to King David and to Abraham. And then over in Luke chapter 3, from verse 23 to 38, we see Joseph's family tree linked all the way back to Adam, the very first man who lives on this earth. But why does the Holy Spirit take the pains to show us this linkage? Why does the Holy Spirit bother to make this point? We'll answer that question in just a moment. We all know that Jesus was given birth to by Mary and that Mary was married to a man called Joseph. This Joseph, though he wasn't the one who impregnated Mary with the seed that became Jesus, was the one who played the role of a natural father in the upbringing of Jesus. People called Jesus the son of Joseph 
because Jesus was raised in Joseph's hands and in Joseph's house. Joseph, by a revelation from God, knew that this role was assigned to him by God to play. So in this sense, Jesus was connected to Joseph. In fact, to drive this point home, Luke chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us that people supposed Jesus to be the son of Joseph. People thought Jesus was the son of Joseph. Now, using that connection between Jesus and Joseph, and the fact that Jesus was planted by God in Joseph's house, we can trace Jesus' supposed family tree through Joseph all the way back to Abraham. Listen, friends, God arranged this to be so. So the very first lesson that we get out of the story of the birth of Jesus is that our connection to people is both vital and important. Many people despise relationships and cut off from others. They believe that they can survive without everyone else. Some tell you that they have the money and the education that they need and therefore other people can go to blazes. You know, listen, that's an unwise and an ungodly approach to life. It is very much unlike God to function and to operate that way. The coming of Jesus shows us that even God connected with people in order to execute his intention. God is a people God. People matter to God and they should matter to you. People connections are important. Think about it. God is all-powerful and almighty. Could he not have done what he wanted to do with Jesus without any human links? Of course, he could have done so and no one would have the guts to question him. But God chose not to. So the point I'm making is this. If God could humble himself and establish firm and traceable connections with men, why should we cut ourselves off from people? Why would you not have traceable relationships with others? Some even cut themselves off from everyone in their own immediate biological family. And then some go as far as cutting themselves off from everyone in their spiritual families. By spiritual family, I'm speaking about your church family. Listen, that is totally unlike God. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 16 to 17, that we have become children of God. This means that God is our Father, just as Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 and Romans chapter 8, verse 15 show us. When you go over to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, we are told that in this family of God we now belong to, some of us are in heaven while some are on earth. Listen, God never designed any of his children to live in isolation. If you are here on earth, God wants you to remain connected to your spiritual family members here on earth. He also wants you to remain connected to your physical, biological family members or your extended biological family members here on earth. So Christmas reminds us of the importance of family. Your biological family is important and your spiritual church family is important as well. You know, in Psalms chapter 68, verse 6, the scripture says that God sets the solitary in families. So right now, if you're living a lonely life, God has better plans for you. He never designed for you to live that way. You know, I get it and I understand that some people are not actually wanting to separate themselves from others. Some people are just literally abandoned. Some people have been forsaken by everyone else. Some people have no one to call family. If you are in that situation, this period, it's my prayer and desire that the Lord will bless you with family relationships. And as a matter of fact, you can reach out to us. We'll love on you. We'll extend the love of God to you. And we will be glad to receive you into God's family. Brothers and sisters, this is important. 
No believer can strive as a loner. No believer can grow in their work with God by operating detached from other believers. The Bible says that two are better than one. So to be as God has designed you to be, you need to be planted in the family into which God has set you. If God has blessed you with a biological and spiritual family, Christmas is a reminder that you should value them, love on them, and be at peace with them. Renew your love for your family this Christmas. And how do you do that? One of the things that love does is that love gives. You can call them. You can check on them. You can send them some love. Reinvest your resources. Reinvest your time. Reinvest your attention. Invest your assistance. Invest your material possessions and so on and so forth. Do something to show your family that you care about them and that you love them. Make a statement to them this Christmas with your generosity. You know, listen to this. Jesus was God's biggest move on this earth and God connected him to people. That shows us a principle, therefore, that we cannot operate alone because every big thing God wants to do today in your life must be vividly connected to the big things in the past that God has done in the lives of others. In the name of Jesus, we receive grace today to stay connected to the people in our lives. God willing, we will pick it up from here in the next one.